All right, Bizzlecast listeners, welcome back to the Bizzlecast. I'm here for a somewhat rapid reaction to Netflix The Defenders, or maybe I should say Netflix Marvel's The Defenders series, which was uh, released about a week ago on Netflix in its entirety. I am here with Brick Girl. We teased uh, that we might do this podcast. We certainly talked about The Defenders quite a bit leading up to it. Um, And uh, Brittany doesn't have a ton of time, but we're going to try and cover a lot of ground because there's there's certainly plenty to talk about so Brittany, thank you for being back on taking the time and uh talking about the defenders with me yeah i'm excited defenders was great was really good so uh, Brittany, i i tried to come up uh with uh well before before we jump in uh i made a very public announcement via podcast and on all my social media and even informed some of my contributors and b- big listeners that i was pivoting pretty hard to do a lot of star wars coverage over the next few months mm. because to be honest and this might come up during the um defenders uh wrap up uh which is just that i'm you know getting some uh fatigue of comic book stuff um and because i I just think there's some really interesting developments in the star wars universe as Mm. well um that being said i still have some really great interviews lined up um over the next few weeks and i'm still going to be talking about stuff like the defenders when they come up um but uh you know i started the podcast it was originally called poodoo cast uh which is yeah which is a job of the hut reference and uh, uh and they were just like sort of shorts about um uh you know philosophy and religion and so forth and mm. star wars and so i'm trying to move to short more shorter podcasts and talking about sort of the cultural sociological philosophical issues well hey weren't you meant to have one uh with superheroes you know i'm still waiting for that one <sighs> yeah no i know i know um i'm just should like- batman kill the joker should Batman kill the Joker? Well, yeah, I, I think Death in the Comics is definitely a podcast we should do. Um, but mm-hmm. I just wanted to let the Bizzlecast listeners know that it's not like I'm stopping my previous coverage. Brittany and I are still going to do that Batgirl podcast, and we've got lots of other uh, ideas for stuff to do. Um, so, but, I, you know, Brittany, I really wanted to talk about the Defenders with you because we were both really excited about it. So, Britt, I, I really like the Defenders overall. It had its ups, it had its downs. I thought the four main characters, for the most part, uh, were as good as they could expect it to be. Um, th- there were some structural things about the episodes and how it was filmed, like the villains having way too much screen time, for example, that I thought was a big problem. Um, and I have some thoughts, too, about people complaining about 13 episodes, and here eight, were eight, but there was also episodes here that were maybe extraneous. If we get time at the end, we can talk about sort of more of these big-picture things. Um, BizzleCast listeners had a little bit of a sound blip, so we just talked about Iron Fist for like a little bit, um, uh, and uh, I don't know when I'm going to be able to recover. So I'm just going to have Brittany talk about it, because I don't really have a solid uh, thought, other than I thought Finn Jones did better than I expected, and when there were problems, Brittany, I thought it had more to do with the writing, both specific dialogue, but m- sort of more overall writing, where I thought he's best when he's kind of goofy and people are making fun of him, but he's also a fanboy and he doesn't really care that he sounds corny saying Immortal Iron Fist. When he's win the rest of the group, um, he's great, which is why when they kidnapped him, I was rolling my eyes because I thought that was a terrible move. But you having seen Iron Fist and, we should say, this series, The Defenders, from a mythos standpoint, takes by far the most from 
the Iron Fist series with a little bit of Daredevil season two having to do with the hand and Kunlun and so forth, which is part of why uh, 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 Colleen Wing was a big, basically the fifth defender in this, which I thought was great because I really like her. I'll have her. to play my nerd card here and say it's Kunlun. Kunlun. Um, that's, how they, <laughs> that's how they say it. I don't know if that's how it would actually be pronounced. Who cares? Um, point being, I, I had... I, you know, because it's pretty stock pseudo Eastern philosophy and I studied Eastern philosophy very closely, I had no problem following what they were talking about. And I read enough comic books to know both specifically and big picture what was going on with the Iron Fist story. As I said before, I got cut off with my tech issues. Um, I, I, I would have gone with the other three characters who are more street level. And I hope next time we see the Defenders, it's in Jessica Jones and Luke Cage world. But that's what we're going to save that for now. So, Brett. Compared to Iron Fist, how do you think Finn Jones did as Danny Rand, the immortal Iron Fist, here um, as an actor? And then how did you feel about him as a character in his place in the story? Well, I think he definitely did a lot better. Like you said, uh, in Defenders, he was a lot more interesting. I think that's because they were able to take the mickey out of him. Uh, i sorry, about his character, you need to explain this saying because you use it a the lot. Mickey. Yeah. Oh, it just means to make fun of. So, like, if you're, if you're mucking around with a group of friends and someone's a target of a joke, you're taking the mickey out of them. I got But it's you. not so much um, a bad thing. It's kind of like, oh, yeah, you got me. That's true. I am it, But does it, does, it also have, does it also have a sense of taking the seriousness or corniness out of it in this context? You know, like you talk about yeah, a doing, uh, having, doing an Avengers spoof where they have all the actual Avengers characters spoofing themselves. Yeah. So yeah, they could you could take the Mickey out of yourself as well. So I could, um, if I wanted to do a video, a lot of my videos, I take the Mickey out of myself. So you'll see me on one side talking about something that's quite not serious, but you know the facts, and on the other side, yeah. I'll be pulling a yeah. really stupid face and just okay. being, being right. stupid. Let's, let's that's refocus. probably a stretch there. Yeah, I, I, <laughs> I apologize. You've just used that a lot, and I've been able to figure out from context what you meant, but I wanted to get it on, on the Bizzlecast. That's funny, like just same language, different um, colloquialisms, I guess. But yeah, so Danny Rand, it's he's an interesting character because by himself he is too serious, but with the other team, same serious seriousness, yep. but we can enjoy him a bit more because people tease him a little bit. And he's slowly starting to realize, well, yeah, I do sound a bit ridiculous. Um, and I think that's also um, because if you look at him and can compare him with Bruce Wayne Batman, Bruce Wayne Batman is also serious, vigilante, martial arts, you know, all that, lost his parents. Mm -hmm. But he has a respect for that. Like, people do, you know, joke around and laugh at how serious he is, taking the mickey out of him. Mm -hmm. But it still kind of comes back to the base level, you know. he He's respected for it. But Danny Rand doesn't have that. It's kind of just... It's It's... I don't know. It's not yeah. It's not respected yet. But um, the fact that they were able to mess around with him in Defenders just made him more likable because he didn't get angry at it. He just sort of was like, yeah, it is kind of a bit weird. Kind of started to realize how weird it is to say I am the immortal Iron Fist. And look, some characters are just better when they're paired up off with other characters. Yeah. Like Luke Cage, when he's with Claire Temple or Kristen Ritter, that's when he's at his best or when he's with Misty Knight, right? For me. 
Mm. Whereas Kristen Ritter as Jessica Jones can go solo for an entire episode and you're transfixed or Matt Murdock as Daredevil even, right? It's just has to do with the personality of the actor and the characters and the writers. Finn Jones, Mm. he comes from Game of Thrones, as does Jessica Hedwick, who plays, or Henwick, who plays Colleen Wang. They're both from Game of Thrones, which is a huge ensemble cast. And so it's clear that when he's in an ensemble setting, or Mm -hmm. at least paired off with Colleen, Luke, or whoever, he's much, much more comfortable. And I wish that Marvel would have the balls to do what they're doing with Ant-Man and the Wasp and call it, you know, Iron Fist and, and, you know, whatever Colleen's uh, alias is um, in the comics and just make it a duo. Because from what I understand, she was the redeeming part. White Samurai? Yeah. Did you feel, I've heard that she was sort of the redeeming part of the Iron Fist series. Is that is that an exaggeration? Because I thought she, Colleen, we, which we have to bring in here because she's the other half, basically, of Danny. Um, was, she, was she as good as advertised in the Iron Fist series? Well, I think she definitely, um, like Danny, stepped up for Defenders. It was like the scene she had with Claire Temple, where uh, Colleen just kind of breaks down in that she wants to, she wants to help. And she's so broken about this organization that lied to her her whole life. And that conversation just sold her completely to me. But it's unfortunate it took that long for me to see that because in season one of Iron Fist, she kind of, not as much as Bakudo and Danny Rand, but she still had that kind of cliche seriousness a little bit about her. And you see that a little bit in their relationship in, season, in Defenders, how it's all like kind of over the and kind of over the top, it's just it's uh, it's just a little too much sometimes. It doesn't feel raw, not as as easy as say Luke Cage and Claire Temple. Um, but Bukudo, he is the character that I just cannot accept. He is the old sensei who just takes himself way too seriously. Colleen, Colleen, come back and work with me, Colleen. He always said her name really weird. And I'm like, I just can't take this. Granted, he did, you know, help us get Misty Knight on the path to being, you know, the awesome like cy- cybernetic arm lady that we know in the comics. So that's exciting. Yeah. And also the scene between her and Misty where Misty agrees to give back the sword and let her go so is perfect. one of the great exchanges. Oh, I love Misty. Yeah. Misty just... Yeah. Ah, uh, because she's kind of. Yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll get to Misty. We'll get to Misty. Yeah. I just I want to talk about Colleen because she comes with Iron mm-hmm. Fist, and I think for whatever her positives or negatives in the show uh, Iron Fist, which I can't comment on, um, I thought she was great in the sort of super support role in the Defenders and. Maybe she's too serious in the Iron Fist series, but in The Defenders, she's very soothing. She reminds me of Chloe Bennett, and not just because they're both half Chinese, but because they there's just kind of something soothing about them, even while they they give off uh, being very young and impressionable and naive even, um, and they're able to convince you that they're good fighters, even though they're petite. And this is one thing I want to talk about with Danny Rand, but there was just something kind of soothing about mm. Colleen, uh, and, and, and I guess that's because she was constantly soothing Danny Rand um, without just seeming like a passive sidekick, yeah. you know? And and I think what, what, what surprised 
surprised me in a good way was that I thought her dramatic stuff was more effective and cooler than the little bit of action that she mm-hmm. did. And I think that's a credit to her and a credit to the writers. And I think she's growing the way Finn Jones is growing. I don't think she's as good of an actress as Chloe Bennett is yet, but she hasn't had that kind of role. Although she is one of Poe's wingmen, uh, Poe da- uh, da- uh, Dameron's wingmen in The Force Awakens uh, in the two X-Wing battles when I read that. You know, and she's like, we're with you, Poe. Um, I was I was pumped about that, but um, I, I don't know. I, I really liked her here. I think he needs her. They need her with him in Iron Fist season two and going forward. I Definitely, think. she balances him off really well, and I think they they try and do that a lot. So like Luke Cage and um, Claire Temple, then you have uh, Daredevil with uh, Electra. They kind of bounce off each other, and then you have Jessica Jones with her Jack Daniels. It just works really well. And, you know, again, I don't want to get into a huge Misty thing right now. Maybe we talk about Luke next. We can talk about Misty and Claire some more. But, I mean, just look at Jessica, Colleen, Misty, and Claire Temple. Mm. All four of them have agency and are helping save the world in various ways. And they have some disagreements and they have some agreements. um, And they have a lot of personality differences and power level differences. But it's pretty uncommon in any format to have four female characters that are that strong in very different ways. I mean... Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I think, you know, again, I think Star Wars is starting to do this. It's still mostly men, even though the women have been the leads in the Star Wars movie. I think in the new one, we're going to get multiple women who are strong in different ways um, and and, and so forth. Uh, But uh, I think it's very rare to have, you know, four plus female characters who are all strong. Because normally it's like in these movies, you have like one or two super female badasses, like the Charlize Theron type thing, and then a lot of other passive women you don't have anything sort of in that middle area i really like that they've definitely got a great thing across the board because you have like misty knight who's very good at like controlling the situation and planning ahead you got colleen wing kind of does go in and a little bit hot-headed like danny ran and and wants to use her sword and then um uh, i think claire temple i haven't said yet she's just so good at you know being like the quite level-headed but also soothing not just healing wounds but she's so good at like helping people like under i don't know feel not feel better about themselves it's not a counselor she's a great counselor that's yeah. the word i'm looking for yep. and yeah and i think they they just all they're so fantastic in their own right which yep. is amazing and i feel like i've missed out on a few fantastic women in my rant but you know it's just it's such a great well balanced and the thing is they're doing that as well with the male characters they do have a great yep. range like just between the conversation between Iron Fist and Luke Cage is hilarious. It just highlights their strengths and their differences. Totally. Totally. And I just want to stress again that I think the four of them have great personal chemistry. And so when things do go off the rails, from a, it's always from a writing standpoint, in my opinion, in this series. Mm. Like, for example, it seems like Jessica accepts him maybe a little too quickly considering their personality differences but because they they so clearly get along in real life and because the stakes are so high in this situation she just she ends up making fun of matt murdoch more than the immortal iron fist which i thought was very telling um yeah uh, and very interesting so before we get to, to jessica and matt why don't we jump to luke 
Um, and we can talk about Claire, and we can talk about uh, Misty. I will say, the fact that Mike Coulter has such excellent chemistry with both Rosario Dawson and Kristen Ritter, as different as those two are on like every mm-hmm. level, says a lot about him as an actor and him as a character. Yeah. He just likes his coffee, you know? Yeah, and he's so relaxed <laughs> and relaxing to me. There's just something very soothing about Luke Cage. Mm-hmm. And let's be honest, when Jessica comes back finally to fight with them, she's like, you miss me? Um, she only she may have not come back if not for Luke, right? I mean, yeah. she, she ostensibly comes back because she realizes she can't escape the hand situation. And it's, again, affecting people that she loves. And so she's forced into it. but um, Or just people that she cares about and feels like she has to protect, I guess. Yeah. But without Luke, she would have never even sat down in that chair in the first place. Which is very true. It's um, it's kind of sad though when you get to the very end. Like I love, I love Luke Cage with Claire Temple. They work really well together. But you know, in the comic books, he's with um, Jessica Jones. So at the very end, when she says, "Did you want to get that coffee?" That look on Luke's face, where it's just like he he's in this relationship, but but he doesn't want to hurt Jessica Jones. Like it's just it's a wonderful moment, and JJ knows. She kind of sees it and she's like, okay, he doesn't have to say anything. I know I've been turned down. And it's so heartbreaking because it's she's reaching out. It's the first time we ever see her really reaching out and she's denied. Oh, it's such a good scene, that very last bit on the on the um at the bar. Yeah. Well, yeah. Wait, at the end of Defenders, he says, let's get that coffee, doesn't he? I thought he says that we should get coffee. No, that was Jessica Jones. Oh, you're saying Jessica, Jessica Jones, Jones right. It. And that this, is, this and then, mirrors um, it, Luke the reverse Cage mirror. Yeah. Doesn't, yeah, doesn't respond because he's, he's in a relationship, but he doesn't want to hurt JJ's feelings. You just see that in a little scene without saying anything. They kind of like, no, nah, this isn't going to, it's not going to happen. At least not, not yet. Yeah, I mean, you know, I wrongly predicted that Claire Temple was going to die. I'd been pushing that theory for like a year, mm-hmm. so I have to eat crow. And I agree with that. <laughs> yeah, um, and uh, so I'm happy that she lived. Part of the reason mm-hmm. I thought she was going to die, other than to unite the team, and I still think that would have been better, honestly. I, I still think the, oh, here we go to save the world, and there wasn't a ton of personal stakes uh, again, killing Claire wasn't the only way to accomplish that. I think it would have been the best. And we know Luke and Jessica are going to end up together. I mean, it has mm-hmm. to happen. You know, like they're the most famous couple outside of Jean Grey and Scott Summers in the Marvel comics. Um, and so, you know, I mean, I mean, what's even comparable in DC other than Lois Lane and uh, and Clark Kent, right? Um, and they have a kid together. And so I thought that would be a way of uniting them. I thought that would be a way of letting Rosario Dawson move on with her life, which I thought she would want to do. Um, you know, she wants to be in a Star Wars You just Wars want her movie. to be in Star Wars. I do. Yeah. I want her to be Ahsoka Tano because she wants to be Ahsoka Tano. Ahsoka Tano is one of the yeah. coolest female characters ever in anything. She looks like her and she and it, it, she's the perfect age if they're going to do an Obi-Wan Kenobi movie with an older Ewan McGregor that takes place after the prequels but before he meets Luke in A New Hope when he's just on Tatooine and he's theoretically defending Luke from things. It'd be the perfect age for Ahsoka Tano to be sort of in her mid to late 30s, which is how old Rosario mm-hmm. is, whatever. So I just figured she'd want to do other stuff, and, and maybe she will anyways. Um, and I thought that would also clear the way. But I thought it was very touching that Luke 
I don't know. The exchange between Luke and Jessica at the very end of like, yeah, let's get a coffee. It was more than platonic, but it was less than romantic. And I thought the two of them yeah. played that in perfectly. It's definitely one of the standout scenes, and it's probably one of the shortest. Yeah. Yeah, yeah and you're waiting for it the whole time. It, but, but, but that's one of those scenes that make you look back on the series differently, where you're going, I bet Luke and Jessica wanted to have that short conversation the entire time, but they weren't able to because there was so mm-hmm. much else at stake, right, and so much else going on. Um, you know, Luke Cage, he, he's, a, he's like a Terminator, right? I mean, he throws people, he's bulletproof. You know, um, his fighting is never that interesting, but again, he's like the Hulk. That's why there's never going to be another Hulk movie because the first two failed Mm -hmm. and the Hulk by himself just isn't that interesting. But the Hulk as a side character, like we're going to see in Thor, we see in the Avengers movies is, is fantastic bouncing off other characters. Mm -hmm. But it's also, it was really cool to see him team up with, uh, with, uh, Danny Rand in the, office the very first like big fight scene that everyone yeah. is involved in yeah. and how how danny just like very quickly just falls into step and jumps behind luke when there's all these guns going off and it just works and it's like yes i can see this being such a good team up totally totally yeah i mean they're all brawlers but their powers are manifested differently um oh and this is what i wanted to say about about danny rand is just that like he's really skinny and wiry but that doesn't prevent jessica jones uh i'm sorry i should say that doesn't prevent Kristen ritter it doesn't prevent chloe bennett it doesn't even prevent you know uh jessica henwick who plays colleen wing these tiny girls from projecting power there's just something Mm -hmm. about the way he punches and kicks that just doesn't really connect now when he gets the the fist going you know then it starts working for me because it's like a mystical thing but you know like i just he's just not a good fighter he i saw some slow-mos of some of the fight scenes of him like getting quote-unquote hit or hitting and it it just doesn't it's just not working um that well now when you put him in the team environment and there's so much going on it doesn't really make a difference uh but I, i think that uh, you know, I, I think it's, it's, it's a good and bad thing that my biggest problem with Danny Rand is he just doesn't look like a good fighter. You know, I, he, he was, he, let's put, let's put it this way. His acting and character was way better than I was expecting, but his fighting was just as mediocre as I had seen from the short amount I'd seen of Iron Fist. I don't know if that bothers you at all. No, well, I actually kind of liked his fighting, especially when uh, Daredevil went up against Iron Fist and they're fighting at like, uh, I don't know. It's not really an abandoned warehouse, but it's where the uh, white hat guy died. Yeah. So the pair of them are fighting in this room, and Luke Cage and Jessica Jones and Stick are standing there like, well, who do we help? Right. I thought that was great. Yeah. Isn't Jessica Jessica's the one who puts him out for good? In the end, yeah. They, yeah. they kind of try and stop him. And she feels bad it about bit, it. I could kind of see... You could kind of, like, Stick trying to kill the Iron Fist isn't really that wasn't really that much of a surprise i mean like mm-hmm. i could kind of see that happening especially when they started to, when he started to do the incense i was like uh yeah he's gonna he's gonna knock luke out i just think if you took if if you could take the best elements of arrow and iron fist and combine them it would be spectacular so if you could have steven amell 
with some of the great arrow choreography, but go soup much darker with Netflix where you can have bleeding and you don't have to have super fast cuts and the fighting slightly more realistic. But I mean, put Stephen Amell in there with the iron fist. I mean, now that's, that's really something to watch for me. You know, Mm -hmm. the fact that Stephen Amell almost single handedly has gone to six seasons of arrow sustained, you know, at least 50% based on his, his fighting skills and how fun it is to watch him fight. Let's be honest. Right. You know, yeah. Um, Especially when they had the, the wrestler, um, I can't remember the wrestler's name, but he guest starred as one of the villains. Yes. And they did this huge slow-mo move, which of, of course is inspired by wrestling, yeah. where Arrow uh, shoots the guy, pulls him up in the air, launches off this platform and plants this huge like punch just right on this villain. Mm. So those those are the moments I live for. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, I just, I don't know why... Stephen Amell, uh, who's not objectively a much better actor than Finn Jones, but is just more convincing in his particular role. I, I, mm. I'm, I'm curious, and again, the, the the actors really like Finn Jones, and the, and the people involved really like him. I don't know why he was the one they landed on, but you know, to be honest, it's it's something different. You know, I mean, he is sort of you know wiry and gangly, and so it's it's not aesthetically unpleasing. Uh, it just it still feels like JJ could kick his ass at any moment. Uh, from just yeah. from, a, from a visual standpoint, um, which so is we'll move, interesting. Yeah. I was just going to say, it's interesting about JJ, though, because I know that she has super strength, she can fly, um, but can't land. But I just, I don't know why, I just was under the impression that she, like, bullets wouldn't really hurt her, but she seemed quite timid to get hit throughout this whole season. So yeah, it's kind of no, like, she would she She bleeds. Anyone. Yeah, so it's kind of like, she has this super strength, and, and yeah. I... That was awesome. Her she, hiding behind yeah. Luke Cage was fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, so look. Okay. So stand out when she, when the team actually finally sees how powerful she is when she yeah. like holds the elevator up, and yeah. they are just like, okay. And the She's music swells. Back. Yeah. Yeah. Ah, the music. Yeah. Okay, I have to go back to Luke Cage for a yeah, second. Luke go. Cage appears. Oh, his in the music is building. always like soul and hip hop. It's hilarious. Yeah. I, I literally slammed my finger on the volume button and turned it up full. I yeah. was like, yes! Yeah. I was so pumped. I'm like, this is perfection. Well, it, and it's, it's, it's not racist because it's a positive thing, but it's just interesting that when you hear the white characters, it's this very like overly dramatic orchestral music, and then whenever it's Luke Cage, it's like Marvin Gaye or Jay-Z or something like that, which I uh, love, but it makes, yeah. it makes me wonder whether they could go a little more Guardians of the Galaxy and like have Jessica be like a little emo music and like, you know, like give yeah. like different types of music to the different characters, but it, it was a nice change of pace in the first couple episodes think, yeah. with Luke, yeah. Music is a very interesting thing because I think Luke Cage music is probably it was a big part of the story as well because his main villain, the gangster, just fantastic piano playing. Um, a club was so involved in the story as well. So the music there was because it was such a big part of the culture and the the character's storyline. Mm-hmm. But the other characters don't really, you know, their stories don't overlap with music. So I kind of understand why it's nothing. It's not hip hop. It's not pop. It's not emo music yeah. because the story doesn't overlap. It doesn't yeah. center around music. Mm. So I think that's a clever thing. Like people can take it down to race if they wanted to, but I think it's also mainly because of the environment that Luke Cage was in, the storyline and what it followed. All right, let's get to the main event. 
Um, I kind of want to save Jessica Jones for last, but since we're going in reverse order, we should talk about her now. Um, I thought they did JJ very well. Mm. They gave her great one-liners, but we also saw, not only do we see Trish, but we saw Trish talk. We saw Kilgrave. We heard about Kilgrave. Like, we, oh, yeah. If you, if you have been avoiding Jessica Jones, like some nerd boys have, because it's too slow and depressing and, and they can't relate to things like rape and stuff, <laughs> um, or just don't want to hear about it, uh, in their comic book characters, um, I feel like you, you would have gotten a really nice taste and sense of Jessica. And she was never at a character. And in fact, I loved that she briefly left the team early on and it took the threatening of that family that she was trying to help before she came back i i am mm. not gonna say that was a bold move because it's not like she left for multiple episodes but i think that is what jj would have i didn't even consider it at the time i figured she was just gonna suck it up but it makes total sense to me that she would at least briefly in those early stages say fuck you guys i don't know what you're talking about i'm out of here yeah definitely i thought it was a bit weird though um she left, she uh, looked at the papers, was deleting them, and she came back to the same scene. I didn't quite like that. I felt the fight or the team should have moved elsewhere, and then Je- Jessica Jones appeared. And for her to go through the window and hit uh, Electra, that's hilarious. But then she walks to join up with her team. Visually, yes, that's what you want. You want to have that picture of the whole team together for the first time. Hell yeah, go team strategically that is absolutely stupid because staying on the other side they have electra centered you know they've surrounded sorry so it's kind of like we also had i didn't get that we also had huge armies of hand-to-hand fighting on both sides the whole time with almost no guns it's this is the arrow thing like yeah you just have to assume that there's this conceit and this is again i'm not going to keep bringing star wars in but what's great about star wars is the reason they can get away with lightsabers is because you can't kill a jedi by shooting at him because he can just deflect the shot or whatever right Mm. and so you know that's why you can have jedi at the front of armies with lightsabers fighting against you know armies shooting lasers at them or whatever um just like neo can avoid bullets or stop bullets in the matrix Mm. here there's really zero practical reason why everyone's fighting hand to hand even though luke cage is the only bulletproof one right and when they get a good shot in literally or figuratively at like one of the hand people like they go down you know they're just human and so it doesn't bother me because i sort of look at this as sort of a genre thing of you know like almost like the uh like like west side story or whatever you know the two sides are just going to go at each other mm-hmm. um you know and, what's, yeah. i just remembered a really funny moment when the, the guns are going off and danny Rand tackles jessica to the floor like to protect her and she's like Get off me. Like, yeah. What the hell? Get off me, dude. Yeah. <laughs> I was hilarious. Like, well, at the same time, she's not bulletproof, so he did her a favor, but he was trying to be the white knight, the hero. Rah. Yeah. <laughs> it's just so funny. Like, no, go away. I think if, if Finn Jones were a little bit more charismatic and the writing for him was a moderately to significantly better, I would actually like his character way more than Matt Murdock. I don't want to jump the gun past JJ here, but I'm really getting sick of the Messiah complex of Matt Murdock of like, it's all on me. I have to do it alone. You know, like we keep hearing the same stuff over and over and again from Daredevil. And I I kind of like that Iron Fist, he has way more of a reason and a mission to feel that way. You know, 
but like when he says I'm the immortal Iron Fist, he's not bragging actually, you know, even though it's sort of a humble brag, it's just like he feels uh, both honored and uh, burdened by having that title, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. So anyways, go ahead. I have to say, though, I hate it. Whenever a character says, um, I must do this alone, that immediately sends up red flags. And I'm like, no, yeah. sit down, plan it out. You Except, don't for do it alone. <laughs> Except for Jessica she Jones. Except for Jessica Jones. She had to, though. She actually yeah. had to because the situation called for it. If she brought anyone else in, yeah. that was just more ammunition for um, for the for the Purple Man. For um, uh, What's his name? Kilgrave. Dilgrave. I keep forgetting his name. Kilgrave. For Kilgrave, just to, you know, yeah. fight Remember back. she make they make a joke, her and Rosario make a joke about murder death or something, like his how stupid his name is. Yeah. <laughs> That's so true. Kilgrave. Yeah. I never even thought of that before. Yeah. Before. I just and then his, his it. real name ends uh, up being like uh, what's his real name? Like Maddie or something stupid. Like he has like some yeah. really prosaic normal name. But uh yeah, go ahead. Yeah, well, I I agree. I think they did Jessica Jones like really well. Like there there are obviously I think that's just scene choices that I'm really picking at here. Mm-hmm. Um with her going back to the Chinese restaurant. That Chinese restaurant was pretty funny. That was a um, gag though. That's what we call a gag. Like yeah. the writers knew that that was hard to believe that she would come back they'd all be waiting there in fighting position. She'd walk yeah. past the enemy lines and then get with her people. I, I think yeah. you know. Like, I was just that's, yeah. buying the food, buying the food, yeah. and she, like because because that's always the best way to get to get to know someone over a plate of food because yeah. everyone's always happier once they've eaten. Um, and I just love the fact that that's kind of some that's something what Danny Rand kind of set up. So I really I, I appreciate his character for that. Just thinking, yeah, we can sit down and eat. We need to eat. Let's yep. you know we got to pay these guys anyway. They got to make us the food. We're gonna yep yeah, done. Yep. Um, but. I also liked when Jessica Jones and Matt Murdock teamed up and went to the family's home and found the um, the stuff in the piano. Mm. I did like that and how Jessica showed that she had done her research. And, yeah, um, they should have more of that. The Jessica yeah. Jones de- detective stuff is always the most fun, I think. Mm. And I feel like they really did find a way to show the value behind each character. Mm-hmm. Like and especially when when Matt Murdock is trying to like just weasel his way out of being attached to everything, saying I'm their lawyer. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> yep. So I don't want to stop talking about the characters because we have some more to talk about JJ, and we definitely have a lot to talk about Matt Murdock. Another fake death, Marvel death. You know, it's just stupid. Um, I'm telling you. I'm yeah. telling you. It's well, look. It's just because Marvel's putting out ten times as much stuff as DC. Yeah, you know, yeah, I'm sure no, in the new Batman and Harley Quinn the movie, which got horribly reviewed, may, there's probably a oh, fake death there as well. That um, is just do not get me started on that. Yeah, fun. I heard it's horrible. Um, but mm. uh, uh, but um, uh, so you know, if you want to break down the eight episodes, I think the problem for me is the first four stick in my mind way more than the second four because. The first two episodes, they're mostly on their own or like, you know, like in episode two, like Danny meets Luke 
and I think Matt meets Jessica at some point during, but they're not all together until episode three. Mm-hmm. Episodes three and four are the best because that's it, like with the Avenger original Avengers, the best stuff is always when the team first comes together and they're fighting and they're arguing, but then the threat comes and they fight together for the first time and you know all that stuff. Um, and then in episode five, that was the one I was really looking forward to and curious about because I knew that they were going to pair off Danny and Luke for an extended period. I knew they were going to pair off Jessica and Matt and I for me I was not satisfied in episode five um, and this was an argument for maybe extending more than eight episodes I wanted more of those two pairs spending time together Mm -hmm. the way that we would get like a Jess Trish episode every few episodes and Jessica Jones without stopping the plot but through flashbacks and her and Trish hanging out and their relationship and her crazy adoptive mom and her dead family and whatever we would get sort of character stuff I understand they wanted to move quickly but if you want to move quickly, then don't even attempt something like that. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. No, I do. I do see what you mean. But I, I really do like. I know, like you're, you're saying, they moved quickly, but I feel like they took the time to give each character a reason to come together, and I think I, I really appreciated that. That it wasn't straight up first episode. They all, they've all met each other. They're all about to go off and, and team up. I think the fact that they slowly came together and their their different investigating paths brought them together. Mm-hmm. Although Luke Cage randomly showing up at the boardroom, like it was a fantastic entrance, and I, I've I've said my piece about it today. But I think him showing up so randomly was a bit weird. Um, but he had a reason. He had a path that he was following that did cross over with everyone else. And the fact that they took the time to show that those individual investigations I think was really well done. I did really like though, how when Luke and Jessica saw each other, their first question was asking how the other one was, as opposed to why are you here? Like there was genuine concern on their face, which is how two people who really care about each other, but haven't seen each other in a while would react in real Mm. life. You know, like as crazy as the situation. And by the way, the fact that we see daredevil, doing parkour up like seven flights of stairs for three minutes and then jessica jones just walks out of the elevator on the same floor at the same time i know has got to be one of the best gags ever you look like a moron it's your scarf (laughs) but what is he thinking why does he take the elevator with her (laughs) yeah have you seen i think it's lord messer he's done a um a fan art where jessica jones has to give daredevil her scarf but she has a bandana pre-prepared yeah. And she gives that to him and Daredevil ties it on his head and he's now got like kitten eyes and like purple colors and bright things all over his forehead. <laughs> and so she's funny. sitting there still wearing a scarf like, yep, you look great, Matt. You look great. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I love it. And I, yeah. It, it, it's great that they, they film and set the, all of the series in the winter or fall basically in New York mm-hmm. because aesthetically it works. Jessica Jones's costume doesn't work in the middle of the summer in New York. Although knowing Jessica, she would still do everything, but maybe the scarf, even yeah. in like 95 degree weather, you know, that's what's crazy about New York. There's so many like fashionable and like good looking people, part-time models and stuff that like you see some people in the middle of New York, like 95 degrees and humid in the summer wearing a Jessica Jones type out fit and like not even like a bead of sweat you know i'm in like sandals and and shorts mm -hmm. and like covered you know drenched in sweat yeah i reckon um layers are the best way to show a character's personality because it's they're wearing the most clothes they ever will so i think yeah fashion is such a good quick way to reveal this character is 
this. Right, right. And it was the yes, same way definitely. Danny Rand was wearing shorts and sandals at the beginning of Iron Fist season one, and I'm like, I'm out. <laughs> I know I already yeah. don't like this character. Well, it shows so much already about his character in that yes. he grew up. His because uh, Kan Lun or Kan Lun, ha 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 ha. Um, it shows so much about his character because he pretty much grew. His teenage years were all in very wintry, snowy kind of areas. And you see the picture on IMDb where it's like the four of them all together. And he's got his jumper half or sweater half zipped open. And I don't think he's even wearing any shoes. And everyone else is, you know, fully dressed. Yeah. I mean, I will say, you know, I'm the kind of person that loves laughing at, at stuff, but normally with a group or like if I'm seeing a movie with someone, a lot of times when I do a commentary, I'll laugh a lot because I'm, I'm so focused in on what's going on. But honestly, there's nobody like Jessica Jones where I'm sitting in my bed late night alone and everyone in the, in the city's asleep and I'll just start cracking up. I mean, I literally laughed out loud at some JJ lines at least half yeah. a dozen times. At least. Maybe a dozen. Like, sometime, somewhere between a half a dozen and a dozen. I, I, and it wasn't like a force, like, oh, this is funny, I should laugh. It was just like, I, and I, would sh- I was shaking my head. I was even crying at one point. I was laughing so hard. I can't remember what the line was. I, mm-hmm. I like, could not stop laughing. And, you know, it helps that the, that the stakes are so high and everything else is so serious, you know? Um, but, oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, the beer. The beer scene. And how she's getting, like so many judgmental looks from the people she's working with and from another lady on the train and she's just taking a beer from a homeless man it's been a long week and that's a a long week (laughs) that was a perfect way of showing us that scene without showing us the whole scene because we did now we know where she got the beer from right yeah but i think i think because uh jessica jones is so funny to us as well especially to myself it's because i i don't know why but I feel like I connect with her story and her character so much more than anyone else's. So, yeah, I laughed so hard when she had all those funny little jokes. But I also, I felt like I had been just punched in the gut when the um, the, the guy, the, the hand person that they had kidnapped um, said something about, is he still in your head or something like that? His name is Sawande. That was it. Um and when he mentioned that, like he's going through all of the characters, and I'm like, oh, what are you going to say? What are you going to say to Jessica Jones? Is he still in your head? Oh, damn. Oh, don't go there, son. <laughs> and it's just, it's, yeah, she has, I think she probably has the richest story and the richest history, really. Look, I'm, this is what they should do, in my opinion. We know there's Jessica Jones season two, they're almost done filming. Thank God we're getting David Tennant. He swore he wasn't going to come back even for cameo stuff. But a- after the reception of the show, uh, it's, he was thrilled to come back to do some flashback stuff. And she's going to have ghosts in her head, as you and I talked about, which she should, yeah. because it's so traumatic. It's going to affect her for her whole life. And as we pointed out from between Jessica Jones all the way to Barbara Gordon, like you don't get over those things. And it's unreal yeah. to believe that that's the case. Forget mind control and super strength. Thinking that Jessica Jones could ever get over what she went through with Kilgrave is unrealistic from a character yeah. standpoint. There's always ways to deal with it, but to forget yeah. about it completely, which is what a lot of um, fiction does, is like... Right. Well, that's why she drinks, is, yeah. but yeah. Yeah. And I want to stress that the thing I was most excited about for the series 
and I mostly got, and so I don't care about the nitpicks, is the four main character stuff. Is you know, like I didn't watch these comic book movies for the fight scenes anymore. Mm. You know, I watch them. Like I don't love Captain America because his fight scenes are amazing, even though they are. It's because I love Chris Evans as Steve Rogers. Um, oh yeah, and his and his heartache with um, yeah. Peggy Carter and how with he Peggy can never and be Bucky, with true love. His bromance oh, with Bucky, yeah, his un- my heart. Un- un- yeah. <laughs> You know, um, the way they gaze into each other's eyes, you know, Mm. um, speaking of which I, I didn't still haven't seen Spider-Man by the way, Bizzlecast listeners, I completed the seventh viewing of Wonder Woman. Finally, I didn't know if it was going to happen. I, I still in theaters here almost three months after release. I finally saw it for the seventh time. Um, and this is a quick aside, I'm going to have a similar problem with Justice League of like it being Wonder Woman and everyone else, similarly to being Jessica Jones and everyone else. And everyone else, yeah. But, but I want to praise the series, especially because of the female supporting characters, because um, let's be honest, all the significant supporting characters in this series were female. I mean... It was Misty Knight. Maybe this is a good sidebar. Then we'll finish on Daredevil and sort of the Elektra and the overall thing. Is that okay? Yeah, yeah, that's fine. So, but what I was going to say was the characters did not let me down. All my problems with this uh, Defender series had to do with the writing and structure and big picture stuff. So, you know, no, no matter what else, because uh, I do have some significant critiques I'd like to get in Um uh, at the end here uh the main characters and most of the supporting characters i was really happy with um and you know i thought misty knight was the perfect so she was so if, if we're going in terms of level of importance and screen time uh for the good guys side characters not kind of stick in the bad guys misty knight's at the top obviously there was less claire temple than i was expecting but I have a theory about this, which mostly has to do with the fact that people love Rosario Dawson and Claire Temple so much. I think they thought it would almost be distracting. It, like yeah. sh- they didn't want her to be quote unquote meddling, not the character, but from a writing standpoint, they didn't want Rosario Dawson distracting from everything else going on because people like would watch a Claire Temple series at this point. I think, oh, yeah, um, <clears throat> definitely, and, yeah. Um, and uh, my only regret is that her and Jessica didn't get to get to talk. Um, oh, what I was going to yeah. say before was JJ season two, Luke Cage season two. But then it should be Jessica Jones and Luke Cage series. Like it's they would be even if they're not dating or married or whatever. Like they need to start bringing these characters together. You know, I, I think, and not just oh, they're going to do, do crossovers. They absolutely do crossovers, and I, I think know. that might be enough. To be, be honest, just, otherwise it'd be yeah. too much. No, I, I agree in general, but the fact that JJ and Luke Cage are sort of similarly ground level, they both were very skeptical of all the spiritual nonsense going on in that mystical nonsense, or as they saw it, going on in this. They have a past together. They were great as friends or lovers or both or somewhere in between. They're together in the comics. They balance each other so well. They fight together well mm-hmm. because he's just like a Terminator, but she's like really scrappy. By the way, biggest complaint no jessica flying or jumping in this entire series and well, uh, my my she my, could have she my, could have when she leapt for the um the other side of the cord when she grabbed the elevator, the elevator that I was the there one. was a little bit of flying involved there. yes you're right yeah although wait 
So the elevator was dropping. So yes, you're right. She would have had to jump for that, but we didn't see it as usual. Um, but, uh, also a secondary related complaint. It's set in New York. Uh, but other than Sigourney Weaver in Central Park, we almost never see them. And Luke, we see Luke on the streets. We almost never see them on the streets. And I get from a financial standpoint, why it would be so expensive to have all of these, uh, you know, high paid actors uh and uh, extras to be on the streets fighting but if you think about it every major fight was indoors everyone mm. um and that was a waste Speaking of opportunity of yeah go on ahead. the street though with jessica jones and daredevil when daredevil is well matt murdoch is following jj and jessica jones realizes and she disappears uh, and matt murdoch's like what the heck that's and what then he about. finds her again behind him and he's like what the heck brilliant this is what I'm talking about. The moments, the great moments ov- overshadow everything else for me. Like, yeah. I can't wait to rewatch this in a month or two um, at a more ca- leisurely pace because the great moments outweigh any problems I have with the dialogue or the structure. I think, I think really, o- overall, I was very happy with it. Love the villains, whatever. But um, the graphics of the outside of the elevator... And the graphics of um, just when when it wasn't real, like real effects, I guess. Like Wait, when what it wasn't props and stuff. When they're going up the elevator to get away from the bomb, and um, they're looking down, or different things are happening at the very end. It's actually really bad. Oh, the green, green screening screen. was not. No, the the explosion uh, of the building was horrible. It was, yeah, it was, was just really bad. And so I watched it on my laptop, which normally hides that sort of stuff. I was like, yeah, really, Marvel? Too. You couldn't have given them $10,000 for yeah. a better CGI shot? Yeah, that was weak. It was really bad. But the, the golden nugget, I guess, that kind of hid around, hid behind everything else, but it was just kind of like a great moment. And I'm so glad they used it, was when Karen and Trish are looking at the evidence board. And they simply just have like a chat, like, um, I guess, survivors in arms. And they point saying, yeah, I was there. I held a man as they died. And it's just realizing that this does really go beyond the four main characters. We'll say, though, Triss's Australian accent accent was showing a little bit there. It so, did. Uh, it did, which it didn't it did. at all during the Jessica Jones series, which makes me think that they added her last minute and she was and she was winning yeah. some of the lines because she was because fl- I've seen the JJ series, especially having done commentary. I've seen JJ all the way through at least three times, maybe four. Mm. So I noticed those things. I, and I know that Will Traval, who plays uh, Will Simpson, um, you know, her her squeeze turned horrible bad guy in Jessica Jones, who I, who I also don't love, even though I love Trish. I don't really like him. He's also Australian. And his accent really came through. JJ, I, I agree. Do you mean um, Eka Darvel? Um, e- uh, is also Australian. Yeah, he's I'm Australian. sorry, Will Travol yeah. is, is English. Eka Darvel is Australian. His accent came through a little bit as well, which it didn't in JJ. I just think Jessica Jones, they have a very specific showrunner and set of main writers who are mostly women with Jessica Jones. And I think that they concentrate on the small things. And I think with the Defenders, they're like, look, Ika Darville, we only have you on set for a day or two. We only have um, uh, Rachel Taylor a day or two. And they just gave them the lines. Because you know how secretive these things are? So even if you're playing Trish Walker, you might not get your lines until like a day or two before you come in. Because Mm. you're not, especially, I mean... 
Ika Darville character, who I, I love Malcolm, by the way, and, and Jessica Jones, he's, he's after Rosario Dawson, for me, Malcolm is the best side character in the uh, Netflix universe. And the fact that we get to see him with Rosario and JJ in the final JJ yeah. episode is so great. And that they're kind of, but I think he's kind of buddies with, with Claire Temple, but a bit of Australia history here. Um, yes. The guy who plays Malcolm was um, in an Australian teen TV show called Blue Water High, all about this like boarding school for surfers. Oh, interesting. <laughs> so it was just like a like a fun little tidbit. So they go off and they do surfing, like professional training and stuff, and they attend a school at the same time. Were there any Hemsworths involved in that production? <laughs> no, no. So the Hemsworths um, were. Chris was on Home and Away, which is another, which is a pretty much a soap opera, really close to the beach. Liam Hemsworth, I don't remember him from anything. Gee, what has he done in Australia? I don't know what he's done other than Hunger Games and the terrible Independence Day reboot. Mm. Do you know they have a, they have another brother who's yeah. also an actor? Yeah, but <laughs> yeah. Oh, he was also in Home and Away. Oh wow. Oh, and a wonderful like um um. Home, he was in Home and Away, a um, a show called Neighbors, which is kind of like a content, contender for Home and Away, and McLeod's Daughters, which is like Australian outback farming, was a classic, but doesn't run anymore. But anyways, I'm not making excuses for Rika Darville and Rachel Taylor. I love their characters in the show. I think you're going to like Trish more in the new JJ season because she's going to be fighting with Jessica and have more agency and, and more dimensionality and stuff. She, she should have done something in this season, really. Yeah, but they just didn't have... But this is what I'm saying. Is, this is why I think the accent thing was a problem, was that they told these actors that they were going to come in for a day or two, but they couldn't give them a script to like right beforehand. And, you know, That's these true. You know? I mean, not everyone's John Boyega. I mean, John Boyega can turn on an American accent in like a second, you know. Um, and, mm-hmm. and and what John Boyega does that most English and Australian actors can't do is do a non-accented American accent, a non-regional mm-hmm. American accent. Like John Boyega talks just like he could come from anywhere in the United States. He's not doing a Southern accent. He's not doing a Midwestern accent. He's not doing a Boston or New York accent, you know, as we've talked about, those are easier to do. Um, so yeah, I I thought that was all a little sloppy. I I thought Malcolm definitely needed to be in this maybe more. I don't think Rachel Taylor needed to be in this. I I think the let's lock all of our friends into a room and they can sort of commiserate together about everything. You know, it went about as well as it could. Um, but, you know, having, you know, Foggy, Karen, and Trish in a room, I don't think did any of those actors a favor. I thought the Hogarth cameo was was wasted. Um, and so I thought, you know, I thought the main support characters, Colleen and Misty and Claire, were great. But the, the, the very peripheral friends, side characters, I don't know how you felt, felt extraneous. I mean, Karen really was just there to be sad. I think it's just to really tie in the fact that um, to help remind the people, the viewers, that Matt was meant to give up being Daredevil. And he okay. technically I'm sorry. He had. I'm sorry. This series ended exactly like Daredevil season two. Exactly. Except yeah. instead of seeing Elodie <laughs> Young possibly coming yeah. back to life, we see Matt Murdock possibly coming back to life. Which, and by the way, I'm upset. Yeah about Elodie Young, because I told you specifically that I did not want to see her as just an emotionless killer. 
because when she gets the opportunity to act and be three-dimensional, she's a really good actress. She's in the new movie with Ryan Reynolds and Samuel L. Jackson, which it didn't get great the reviews. The Bodyguard? Yeah, which didn't get great <sighs> reviews, but people say it's hilarious. Like, the fan reviews are very good, and people say it's hilarious, and she looks very funny in it. And so she just had, like, zombie face the whole time. It made me really upset, which brings me to my biggest disappointment of the entire series, which was not only Sigourney Weaver, but her character, the lack of any surprise about her character, um, and way too much screen time. And honestly, I was so happy when Electra skewered her. Because I could not take any more Sigourney Weaver. I'm not as big a fanboy of hers as most. Part of that is I don't love the Alien movies and I hate the Avatar movies. I super respect her. I mean, like, super respect her because along with Sarah Connor and Princess Leia, she was one of the first female modern female action heroes. But I just got really sick of her and she had horrible lines. So uh, people, I'm not criticizing Scordy Weaver, the actress. I'm criticizing the character. I can't remember her name and the lines that she got. And it was basically a 50, 50 split of good guys and bad guys on screen. It should have been an 80, 20 split. Like what, what's scarier when you spend way too much time with bad guys and get to know them too well, or when they remain a mystery and you don't really know what they're going to do. I think the latter yeah. is way more interesting. Sorry. That's my rant. Go Which ahead. Is- Go ahead. Which is what made um, um, Madame Gao, was that, yeah, Madame Gao um, so interesting is that she was an enigma and we slowly got to learn more and more and we really saw how powerful she was in this, um, yeah, but this they, season. But, but excuse the, the, the saying, but they castrated her in this series. They did. I, I hope that they don't, um, that she isn't dead, that she pulls a Matt Murdock. I kind of like she's dead because I'm just done with the hand in this fake Eastern philosophy bullshit. But whatever. I mean, weren't you just thinking of Arrow the whole time? Arrow and Batman the whole time. I'm going. <sighs> Batman and Arrow have already mined this territory a million times. A little bit, but I just think Madame Gao would be really interesting to come back. She's no longer got any ties anymore. She can run right. the business, and why she, not, if she's the head of the game, why not have a dramatic scene between Danny Rand and Madame Gao? I mean, you could have like fifteen yeah. minutes of of dialogue between those two. It would be fantastic. That'd be really interesting. Like, I liked how she was very manipulative of Alex. You could see Alex is Sigourney Weaver's character, oh, Alexandra. or Alexandra, whatever. Yeah. Um, you could I see. I thought this they were going to we reveal that she was named after the ancient Egyptian city where the famous. Uh, Alexandria, I guess it was, uh, mm. a library. It was famously burned by the Christians and all the lost knowledge of the ancients or whatever. Oh, uh, yeah. I thought so that's G- where they were going, but there's I nothing think, so interesting as that. Yeah. I think um, well, this is a bit nitpicky, though. Uh, each character, they, they say they left um, Kunlun to go back to their own continents and rule over them, um, but you would you would think... Because they're all racially diverse, the the five in the hand. But you have one from China and one from Japan. So it's kind of like, that's one continent. How did they... <laughs> how, what? Oh, how did that work? Right. Everyone else was from a different continent except them. Yeah. But yeah. that doesn't even make um, sense because if they're 2,000 years old, then all the movements of people over 2,000 years, it wouldn't result neatly in the modern continents. So that yeah. Made no sense. And they probably would have been racially closer i guess yeah. or more similar let's be honest the yeah. bad guys sucked in this i mean the, the in term uh, yeah. comparatively they really weren't yeah. that good and they had way too much screen time and it wasn't that interesting yeah, yeah. no that is true that is true what did you think um, about sigourney weaver because i didn't think it was her fault i just 
they didn't really let her act. I mean, with Electra, she started to act a little bit being maternal, like twisted mother thing. But other than that, yeah. there wasn't much going on. Which I kind of, I liked how she wasn't an aggressive leader. She kind of started to get a bit more angry at the end. Um, but this is kind of like what we were discussing on our last, um, when we do it, we were just chatting, I think, is how I said that the Joker just going to Suicide Squad wasn't well represented because no one really was afraid of him. However, with Sigourney Weaver's character, everyone started quite afraid of her, which set her up quite quickly. Mm. And I liked how she was such a mild-mannered, um, enjoys the classics and whatever, and was very wealthful in these knowledges and you kind of different historical knowledge. And you learn that, oh, yeah, she's lived forever. She knows all this stuff. And I like how they revealed that. And I like also how Madame Gao started, you know, very respectful and very like, you know, well, what do you want us to do, Alexandra? You know, oh, you want us to move ahead the plan? And you could see she didn't agree with it, but she did it because she was scared of Alexandra. But by the end, you could see that the fear was slipping. And I liked that character development between the two of them. Yeah, I just, if you look at Vincent D'Onofrio as the kingpin in season one of Daredevil, like... Oh, he's so good. He's on screen a ton too. But what's he doing most of the time? He's exploring his love life. He's appreciating art. He's talking about culture. It's not just twirling his mustache, right? Mm-hmm. And because of his, his love for Ayala Zer's character, who I can't remember her real name, um, that Israeli actress that was also uh, in Man of Steel, um, who plays his love interest in, um, in season one of Daredevil. Um, and actually, did I, I probably sent this to you. When, when D'Onofrio uh, saw Wonder Woman, he, 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 posted, he had a great Twitter post about how, um, about how uh, what's Kingpin's um, Real name? I always forget. I just think of him as Kingpin. Oh, gee, no, I, it's lost my. Uh, but yeah, but he talks know. about how he has a thing for Israeli women because his 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 girlfriend in real life in season one is Israeli, and you know, and then yeah. Gal Gadot or whatever. But um, uh, you know, like with Alexandra, it's it was Wilson always Fisk. well, yeah, Wilson Fisk. It was yeah. always mustache twirling with with Alexandra, and we never yeah, really got a yeah. motive. Like they 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 left it completely to Sigourney to add depth to the character, and and that's why I always it's like with um, Kurt Russell in Guardians of the Galaxy too. You know they get these big name uh, veteran actors and actresses who are classic and people really love, but then it, it's almost like an excuse for them not to write them well because they're like, oh, mm. you, Kurt Russell can handle it or Sigourney Weaver can make this work. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I will how say, cool, I wait, wait, liked, just really quickly. I, yeah. I, I want to hear your point. How cool would it have been after uh, Electra? So you know how Electra is at in her last moments when she's discovering life and passion again and kissing Matt or whatever. How yeah. cool would it have been in episode six when she kills Sigourney Weaver if that's who she really was immediately and that she was acting like the zombie that she was supposed to be for Black Sky, but that she was yeah. really passionate and th- multidimensional the whole time and she was just waiting for her moment to kill Alexandra. And, you know, it, but instead she just goes full zombie mode until like a second before she dies. Sorry, go ahead. Mm, I found that um, in that scene just there, I thought it was interesting that the hand didn't turn around and try and kill her because they, they surrounded her. They like maneuvered themselves around the room as if they were fighters ready to take Electra down, but nothing happened. I was a little bit disappointed there. 
What's in the pit? And what's the earthquake machine? It's like the glades and arrow. I mean, it's like we've seen all of these tropes before. Oh, there wasn't an earthquake machine. I think I was just digging. And they needed to hurry up and dig very quickly. And because what's they um, removed so much earth and did so much destru- destruction in the um, foundation of the building, it kind of yeah. shook New York. What's down there, though? That was the door to the um, the the graveyard for the dragon. Yeah, I guess if I had seen Iron Fist again, it would be more meaningful. But that was a mistake, considering it was the least watched and least liked of the series, to assume yeah. that people would have this extra meaning of Iron Fist. Like, if you're going to go mystical... Like, I didn't like Doctor Strange, because I don't like mixing magic and comic books, you know? Like... I think magic is best in Harry Potter, Lord of the Rings, Game of Thrones, and so forth. Um, so I don't, tec- I don't tend to like magical characters. Now, I do like Mr. Mixaspitlick or whatever his name is. Yeah, he's like, funny. Characters like that because they're super cosmic. Mm. It's not actually magic. Yeah. It just appears to be magic. You actually said that perfectly, by the way. Oh, cool. Yeah. Well, I was trained by my buddy, Matt Goisman. Yeah. Um, But uh, thank you. Um, But do you know what I'm saying? Like, he's not actually doing magic. He's just super advanced. Doctor Strange is essentially doing magic. And so you watch Doctor Strange and you're like, why should I even care about the Avengers? This guy can stop time, you know? Mm. Like, and, and so anyways, but... At least they just went for it in Doctor Strange. And actually, my problem with Doctor Strange was, A, I think Benedict Cumberbatch's American accent's horrible, and they should have just let him be English. I don't care about the comic book. It's stupid. Why can't he be a London doctor in New York? Why does he have to be a New Yorker? It sounds terrible. Sorry, Benedict. Um, And uh, I think he's overrated in general. Uh, But B, that it was just a typical origin story, which, as you know, I despise for the most part. I'm just sick of at this point. But the, Mm. the magic stuff I got used to. And I've seen it one or two more times since I saw it in the theater. But at least they went for it. Here they kept teasing this mysticism and we saw none of it. And by the way, why is the black sky more important than all of everything else going on? It's not clear. Yeah, the black sky wasn't really well developed enough. Absolutely. I stand by it, though. If you watch the first half of Daredevil Season 2, when she's just playing, when Elodie Young's playing whoever pre-Electra person is i can't remember her name when she's just you know drinking and flirting and confusing charlie cox and you know making Mm. him fall in love with her even though he shouldn't like she's really compelling character even if you don't like her you know but then they just keep turning and turn this this super ninja and it's uh, i I don't know it just seems like a wasted opportunity And, and like i don't care about the marvel fake deaths the marvel villain problem which continues is continuing to be my biggest problem with marvel Wow, that was a good quote. Yeah, I should quote myself on that. That was good. That was like a. That was like a what's a, what's a sentence that's like a palindrome? That was like a palindrome sentence. But um, do you know what I'm saying? Like why? Yeah. And by the way, why are Loki and the Joker so much fun? Like I didn't see Suicide Squad. You you hated Jared Leto, but at least oh, he was at least nothing. Right, but at least he is continuing the Joker tra- attempting to continue the Joker tradition of enjoying creating misery for people. Right. Yeah. Well, it was unclear what Sigourney Weaver was getting out of all of this, especially that she was dying. Yeah, that's actually what I was what I was wanting to say. She's terrified of death, and she lost her kid, whatever. And I, you could, I actually sympathized with her. But what's more is that I actually 
the more I got to know Alex and how she was, Alexandra, whatever, how she was quite calm and peaceful and resourceful, I think I actually started, she was the type of character you could agree with because she she was charitable. She wasn't like world, uh, well, she was world dominating, but she wasn't like aggressive and destroying things. And she wasn't actually involved in a, in um, things like drugs or cults or whatever that Bakudo and Madame, Madame Gao was or, or hunting What's her motivation? creatures. What's her motivation? Power? It's, um, what was their motto? Life something or other. Like they just, they just want to. Right. Embracing life she wanted as to it live is forever. or something like it. Yeah. She wanted to live forever. And I think she wanted to pretty much iron out evil by controlling New York yeah. So that's like removing free will. I think that was her her thing. But at the same time, because I'm saying I think, it obviously wasn't clear enough. By the way, people, if you really want to watch a, a brilliant movie about the the, um, the fatal flaw of wanting immortality, watch The Fountain by Darren Aronofsky featuring Australia's Hugh Jackman and Rachel Weisz, where Hugh Jackman plays a, uh, the top cancer researcher Rachel Weiss plays his wife who's dying of cancer and he won't spend time with her in her final days because he's trying to solve cancer and he solves cancer and he runs back to the house and spoiler alert she's dead um, <laughs> but also the movie splits between current reality it also goes back to, to looking for the tree of life during the Spanish Inquisition and then into the future where he's like floating to some foreign star worshipped by the Mayans to, to find the tree of life there's a lot of mysticism the point being there's a lot of talk about this stuff but there wasn't really anything tangible here that was really enticing you know like how about some flashbacks with Sigourney in mid- medieval Europe or ancient yes, China or something like, like that you flashbacks know? that showed the hand that's not expensive and you know how not expensive Pompeii that is something. yeah doing like an ancient china Costumes. scene is cheap i mean they you know they would she, do, yeah. go ahead i have a feeling that sigourney weaver's character was there when they actually bought new york she was the reason why and she's been planning this and for something that was such a slow planning process to take control of New York and to own it. Because you would think back then women weren't given that much leeway and stuff. So she had to play her hand quite secretively mm. and to play it out over hundreds and hundreds of years. Yeah. I'm, I'm you're winning me over. They didn't play her character well enough. No, not Sigourney's fault at all. But I also think no. less is more when it comes to villains, especially if they're not amazing villains. And, and look, I mean, among the million reasons the Avengers are great, right? They have the best villain that we've so far had in marvel with loki right Mm. but on top of that loki's in the helicarrier for like half the movie so you don't even have to cut between the good guys and the bad guys for the middle part of the avengers because they literally have the bad guy with them yeah and that's part of what's going on and he's twisting their brains and stuff right and so the cutting back and forth between the good guys and the bad guys, it's just very standard television. And yeah. I think that what I was going to say much, much earlier was that people complain about 13 episodes being too much for the solo series, but there could have been stuff cut out of these eight episodes, but there's also stuff they could have added. Like, I don't think it matters that if it's eight episodes or 10 episodes or 12 or 13 episodes, it's just that they're wasting episodes in some of these series and some of that's writing. Mm. And so it'll be interesting to see. I mean, I'm looking at like a, like a line graph in my head where like daredevil season one starts pretty high, goes way up for Jessica Jones 
and then for Luke Cage drops a bit, and then Daredevil's DC season two drops a bit, and then for Iron Fist drops a bunch, and then comes up a little significantly for the Defenders for me. I mean, this was the most fun I've had since Jessica Jones season two, even though it's not nearly or mm. season one, even though it's not nearly as good. I liked it more than Daredevil season two, that's for sure. Uh. Definitely. <clears throat> and I think Punisher is going to be up a little bit. I think J.J. Season 2 is going to win Emmys, honestly. I mean, I think mm. I think the only reason J.J. Season 1 didn't win Emmys was because it wasn't quite acceptable back then yet to treat these shows like they were House of Cards or, yeah. or Orange is the New Black, where I think now people realize how brilliant J.J. is, even if you're not into any comic book stuff. Like, Luke Cage and Jessica Jones are two shows that I know that I have friends that have watched that aren't into comic comic book stuff but they'll mm-hmm. like they like jessica jones and luke cage um and so i think that's going to be a huge high and then we'll have to see going forward i mean they've already green greenlit luke cage season two iron fist season two daredevil season three they have to keep stepping up the writing um but again i watch so little television i, I don't know what to compare it to really yeah i think you're right in comparing it with the cw superhero television shows although they're on um different platforms which causes a different style and structure to it it's the the closest thing i think that you can compare it to netflix certainly gives the um the marvel universe the upper hand and that it can be darker it can be grittier but the emotional the well the themes that are also touched on with um the flash especially in season one season two not so much season three they touch on a lot of um a lot more themes in that sense. And I think having the 22 episodes in those um, series Too much. can be both. It's the same story though. It can be a blessing and it can be a curse because you do sometimes lose a bit of interest. And I reckon it, um, maybe people, well, television shows should start taking a leaf out of Sherlock Holmes book and just maybe do three one hour episodes. Yeah. Because then that way you have more control over the story and you're not stuffing it like yeah. a, a uni assignment to but try I and know, reach I still know words. plenty of people that thought the last season or two of Sherlock wasn't as good as the other one. So I think the number isn't always the problem. Although I, I agree with you about CW, they should cut it in half. If you do 13 Arrow episodes a year, it, it, all of a sudden, I mean, I'm look, the first eight to ten Arrow episodes like of season one of Arrow are better than any of the Netflix shows other than Jessica Jones. For me, personally. Yeah. That, those first six to ten episodes, when we're just meeting Oliver Queen and learning about his mom's betrayal, and he's learning about it, and we're meeting Thea and his friends and Laurel and everyone. To me, that's better than anything on Netflix other than Jessica Jones, and you can't compare it to Jessica Jones because thematically it's totally different. But compared to Daredevil... Yeah. Like, if I could pick my the best, you know, six to eight Arrow episodes, I think would be better than the best six to eight Daredevil episodes, personally. But, like, why couldn't they do an entire Willa Holland episode on Arrow? I mean, honestly. Like, would yeah. it be so hard to just follow Thea, whether she's in costume or not, for an entire episode? They don't even do that with Oliver, you know? Um, mm. and, and with these stupid flashbacks, honestly, the only reason I'm looking forward to season six is because they're not going to have flashbacks. Although now they're saying they are going to have flashbacks. Anymore. I'm yeah. so sick of the fucking island. Um, uh, yeah. I hope we're just in modern time. But yeah, I think, I mean, there has to be middle ground between the two because there is some fun to Arrow and CW that you don't get elsewhere. Mm. When they're the I best. think, yeah. 
especially Felicity's lines before she started dating Oliver Queen. Oh, this is a great, uh, great transition. Then we'll do final thoughts, which was, you know, I was talking about JJ being comic relief during very serious situations. Mm. Right. And, you know, and the more serious and dire it gets, the funnier it gets. I always talk about this yeah. with Joss Whedon. I say, Joss Whedon knows that the best time to do the best humor is in the most dangerous situations because that's the human experience is that that's when we both the characters in the thing we're watching and us as a viewer, when it's the most tense, that's when we need the comic relief as long as it's not uh, distracting from what's going on. So that's when yeah. we have, you know, Hawkeye in Age of Ultron talking about, I got a bow and arrow against an army of robots, you know, I mean, it, is, yeah. it is self-referential, but also very funny at the same time, um, you know, or Cap constantly, you know, getting his ass kicked and everyone telling him what he needs to do and him trying to like not get mad at everyone else because he's holding off all the bad guys and making comments yeah. like, I'm doing it right now. I'm fighting Ultron like this second, <laughs> you know, like, uh, but, but. But do, do you know what I'm saying? And so I think in season one of Arrow, by the time Felicity comes into the picture for more than two seconds, it's so welcome because it's just been him and Diggle giving each other major guilt trips over and over and over again, which has continued for the entire Arrow series, whatever. Mm. But it's just bad news after bad news after bad news and people they can't trust and killing and not killing and whatever and him and Diggle so that when you introduce Felicity, it's so welcome. Right. Mm. Um, and, you know, that's why one of many pr problems with The Flash was making um, Carlos Valdez as Cisco get become a more serious character as the show got more serious. He should have continued to be humorous as the sh show got more mm. serious. You need that person. Right. And, yeah. and without that then everyone's just taking themselves too seriously and being selfish. And that's one thing I liked about the Defenders, by the way, is that other than Matt Murdock um, with Elektra, they really became selfless. Like, all the problems they had during the series, uh, like, within the show, with each other or whatever, was just because of lack of understanding of each other's worldviews and stuff. But, like, they were mostly selfless. Luke and Jessica, for sure... Um, mm -hmm. Danny Rand's on a mission that he's out to save the world. Matt Murdock, for different reasons, is on a mission to save the world. Luke and Jessica just want to do the right thing, as Luke Cage said, which I love. Luke Cage, okay. that might be the best line what, in the series, was when Luke Cage just says, I just want to help people. I'm like, yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. But there's a plot problem in that, you know how we see um, at the end of, well, at the end of Iron Fist, he, Danny, Danny goes back with Colleen to the Kunlun to, you know, show her his home and whatever and go back there and everyone's murdered. And you see flashbacks on that of that in season in, in Defenders. However, one of the villains, and I, I think it's Alexandra, says to him, you only saw what we wanted you to see or something like that. So it has me thinking, is Kanlan dead? Is the portal broken? Well, I don't know what shit about hell? this because I didn't watch Iron Fist. I... I, I it they made well, it sound like it was dead. Well, this is something for listeners. This is something for the listeners because I was confused because well, I felt give, like it can was. Can you give saying, like a ninety-second recap about how he's the defender? How a white boy from the West is now a defender of a dead, seemingly dead yeah. realm. 
So when his plane crashed down, which was um, an assassination organized by Madame Madame Gao. Wait, let me just stop you really quickly. I want you to continue. Yeah. Let's. This would be the perfect way to bridge into our conclusion, which is to talk about what's going to go on in the future. And as much as I hate to admit it, the Iron Fist story is not going away. So continue what you were going to yeah. say, describing it, and then we'll use that to bridge into where is this headed. Yeah. So um, so the plane crashes down. And it actually goes, I think it goes through the portal to Kunlun because that's the one time in every however many years that it opens. And uh, Danny Rand is found by the monks and brought up in the society and he becomes really well trained and he has to defeat a dragon to become the Iron Fist. And the Iron Fist is the protector of the por- the um, the gateway or the portal between Kunlun and the real world. Does he actually fight a dragon, like a Game of Thrones dragon? We don't see it. He, uh, that's just the story. Boo. Yeah. Um, I mean, think of the graphics. That would be really crap. Um, well, I love dragons, and it's not enough to get me to watch Game of Thrones. So, whatever. oh yeah, but if if they can't do an elevator right, then don't don't let them do a dragon. <laughs> um, so he's there. All of a sudden, the portal opens again. He decides he wants to go home. Mm. So he leaves his post, goes home. Uh, all everything happens in like in Iron Fist and whatever. He saves the day. He decides to take Colleen Wing back and he comes back into... By the way, I love they had Colleen just in athletic sweats the whole time. They do that oh, with yeah, Chloe she's Bennett. Just so chill. They do that with Chloe Bennett on uh, S.H.I.E.L.D. And, yeah. uh, oh. I, I mean, call me old-fashioned, but, like, for me, girls that I already think are cute when they just, like, wear, like, cute sneakers and athletic clothes, like, to me, like, that's awesome. Like, I, I hate in these shows when they, like with Laurel, when they just spend so much time on Laurel's hair and clothing and so forth. Like, yeah. you know, like Katie Cassidy's so beautiful. Why can't they let her do the Felicity thing where she just wears sweats or whatever? Anyways. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that that's pretty much the end of season one in that he walks back to Kunlun with Colin. Walks. He climbs a mountain back to Kunlun and uh, he finds everyone dead. But there was just a line from um, one of the villains that just made out to me, the way I heard it was like he was seeing things. Like he didn't actually like Hanlan is still there. It just it was just a really weird throwaway line for me. But yeah, that was another. Okay, so Kunlun, which has been since the beginning of time, I'm assuming, essentially beginning of human I think so. time, is now maybe gone, maybe not. Yeah. So you feel like you have more or less or fewer answers after the defenders? Oh, uh, I think oh, this I have is more a good question. The hand. Here's a good question. But go. We've talked about the good. We've talked about the bad. We've talked about the what the fuck. Um, what are two or three major questions we have going forward after the defenders? Because look. look I mean, say what you will about the many, what I consider the many, but mostly small problems of this. It certainly fit with what we've seen so far. I mean, mm-hmm. you can, again, you can speak to Danny Rand way more than me, but the other three felt like their characters. There's no way Matt yeah. Murdock is dead. We already know Daredevil. So does Elektra survive again or is she buried? I mean, if she's the black sky, how does he survive that and she not? Yeah. That, I think th- maybe there was something actually, very... Um, you know what? Yeah, go Because ahead. she's the black sky, I think she saved them both. And, and I think that'll away. be... Yeah, and she decides she needs to go away and find herself and find the real meaning of, well, of they should do being that. alive but not 
And then she should, she should fight against her programming and come back and be a real person. That, to me, would be a great story arc. That, to me, would be, yeah. even if she's not a major character, even if she matches into being friends and she lives in the wilderness, but she becomes a real human being. Like, deprogramming think, yeah. yourself after your... I mean, look, Thea, right? I mean, Thea was... was Wait, was Thea the one who died? Was, did she was in the the pit, the Lazarus pit? Who came back in life? Oh no, um, Katie Lutz. It was Lutz. Thea and yeah, and and the yeah Sarah Lance. So Thea is both undead and brainwashed by Malcolm Merlin. But yeah, because, she's had a horrible past, right? And and she she had the wrong father and a brother who she can't always talk to. But because of Willa Holland's performance. You just stick with her, and and, and mm. she has enough episodes to go through her redemption process, and you can understand why she wants to hang up the cowl, so to speak, at times, right? Yeah, that's what I would love to see with Electra. I want to see a Lodi Young be a Lodi Young. I don't ever want to see her be Electra anymore, except to like in a mm. you know dire situation. I want to see her reclaim her humanity because otherwise she's just a living weapon, and that that to me yeah. I, I don't like. But go ahead. Well, in, in lighter news, if we're touching on Arrow, there is definitely going to be a uh, a female-centered episode in Flash in one of the first few episodes. So, I'm I'm thinking something kind of like Birds of Prey, hopefully. But um, that's exciting. <laughs> but I do agree. Questions going forward, though, I think it's definitely uh, where is Matt Mur- Murdock um, how is he going to get back to New York if he has to get back to New York? And how is he going to be like, I'm a lawyer who was said to be dead, but I'm not. And kind of like the legal ramifications of that will be interesting. I will um, say, I will say, Charlie Cox as an actor and Matt Murdock as a character, I really liked how Matt Murdock played that he was avoiding telling the team about Electra until Stick forced him to, basically. Yeah. I also like exactly how and why Stick died. I thought it was completely in character for him and exactly the right way to go. I figured he would die, but to be killed by one of them, essentially, I thought was great. And and someone he trained. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Again, there was a killing issue in here, you know, where I, 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 you know, they, the, (laughs) why you would have a compunction killing a genocidal, killers like the hand but whatever i understand jessica and luke don't like killing people that's fine danny doesn't seem to have as much of a problem with killing bad guys actually which i thought was an interesting part of his character because he knows how big the stakes are right yeah 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 but um yeah it's just i think the biggest questions hover around matt murdoch and how they're going to because they're definitely going to do crossovers but how they're going to do that but 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 here's the question so like Kevin Feige, the head of the Marvel Cinematic Universe and overall the Marvel projects, said that for unless they're specifically set in a time period, whenever you see a Marvel TV show or movie, it's happening now, okay? Mm. So let's think where everyone is right now, okay? We know Hulk, Thor, and now Doctor Strange are on another planet. We know that Captain America is on the run with... Bucky. But you've got Iron Man and Spider-Man in New York at the same time that the hand is trying to destroy the city and they don't even talk about it. Like it's getting ridiculous. 
there's a time error with um, a Spider-Man where it says um, it's just something something about the timeline with Spider-Man. If you really think about it, it makes out as if it's happening in 2020. So um, I'll try and find it and I'll send it to you. But it's yeah. Well, Spider-Man has all sorts of problems because Sony, who's basically licensing the character to Marvel at this point, to Disney, keeps going back and forth about doing a Spider-Man universe under Sony or whether Marvel should... Like, now they're doing a Venom movie with Tom Hardy, but is it a Sony movie? Is it a Disney... So Spider-Man's all kind of messed up. That's why Mm -hmm. they needed Iron Man. It wasn't just to sell tickets or try and sell tickets. But by the way, Mm -hmm. even though I'm getting a little sick of Tony Stark and I'm sure everyone's ready for him to move on, for every Danny Rand, Oliver Queen, and Bruce Wayne, it's kind of nice to have a Tony Stark, right? Yeah. Just openly rich and openly enjoying being rich, but also openly enjoying funding his friends who are superheroes. Yeah. And, and I, I hope that in the Defenders in the future that Danny Rand uh, tries to bankroll them as a team and that the thing that holds them back is that Luke and Matt and Jessica don't want to be a team, at, you know, but that Danny Rand with his, his black card or whatever is, re- you know, his platinum card is well, is, is will, willing and able and ready to fund them at any point. Yeah. Uh, would be a lot of fun. I want to see more of the fanboy iron fest. I want to see more of the, yes, I was born rich and yes, I know more about how the universe works than any of you because of my spiritual experiences but I still look up to all of you incredibly and I want to be a part of this. That's what I loved about the series and I would want to see more of going forward. Cool. All right. I have a a fun uh, little bit of a uh, racy question. So you can... Oh. I think you'll be okay with this. All right. So look at the entire Marvel Universe, okay? So this includes Mm -hmm. all the movies, Netflix, and S.H.I.E.L.D. and whatever. All right. I mean, I I always hate to question people about their sexuality. It seems like you're into guys. Are you into guys? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, I mean, if you're not, it's fine. No, I know. (laughs) (laughs) You know, like I'm into girls, but I think some guys are hot, you know? So. Well, that's the whole scientific thing. I mean, like yeah, it's the it's um, people have talked about this okay. the spectrum. Yeah, but if yeah. you're gonna I be mean, if like, you're gonna date a guy, date a person, you're gonna date a guy. I'm not embarrassed to look at a girl and say she's attractive, but yeah, I'm going to I date yeah I date guys. Right, right, right. I am only asking because of this. So, of all the Marvel characters that we've seen, who would you a want to just have like a tryst with, like a like a romance, but that's it? Who would you? Okay. <laughs> want to just be friends with like BFF and who would you actually like want to date and bring home to mom and dad? Okay. So, well, Oh, gee. Okay. So, so, so fling date, marry fling date. No, no, no friend fling date slash marry friend fling like date date to marry. Yeah. Friend fling marry. I think okay. I would want Diana Prince as a friend, but it's it's edging on fling. But Diana Prince because she has lived for so long and would yeah. be so knowledgeable. And I'd be like, just teach me some like I love languages. Teach me like all the languages you know. Teach me um, fling. Oh, uh, gee. I kind of know who I'd marry. So go there. But, I'll go there first. So, yeah. prob- Captain America. 
Yeah, of course, Steve. Because he's just you know straight and narrow. He's That's gonna who I be would loyal to you. Yeah. He's like he's and the beard he's for Infinity War that oh, beard. Chris Evans' beard is great. Yeah, dang. He's single too, and by the way. It's just him and his dog. Yeah. He's a dog lover too. Oh yeah, he posts he tweets pictures of him in his big lab all the time. Oh okay, well that's yeah. just yep. Yeah, I'm going to buy the rings tomorrow. Yeah. Um fling. Or just, you know, someone that you find like just very sexy. Okay, very sexy or attractive. Yeah. So this is the funny thing though. Like everyone I know is really attracted to Loki. But I'm like not. I know. My dad has I'm a huge like, crush on Tom Hiddleston. I love Tom Hiddleston as an actor. I don't see the physical attraction. And I think the thing is, uh, yeah, I, I don't see the physical attraction at all. But I think it's also because my brother looks a lot like him. So I'm kind of like, guys, that's kind of weird. <laughs> no. <laughs> Gee, a fling. Okay, okay. I'm ready. Probably Hugh Jackman, just because, well, yeah. I should probably say Wolverine. <laughs> oh, yeah, Logan. Just because, just, just, yeah. Because he's fucking Wolverine. He's Wolverine. He's like, yeah. if you could go, just guys, I hit that. Everyone would be like, "What the hell?" Yeah, you nailed it because yeah. because he's a vicious killer, but you, but you, we know that he's a gentle lover. Oh, and he's he has a thing for redheads. So he has a thing for redheads. I mean, the way he oh. is with Jean Grey, yeah. But if it was DC, I'd have to say Nightwing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I that know would you got a thing for Nightwing. Actually, you know what? I think that would be all three. <laughs> that would be all three. It, it covers all the bases there. Yeah. Okay, so I'm going to give you the choice to go back at me. Do you want me to do Marvel, DC, or both for me? You know what? You can do Star Wars. I mean, well, the problem with Star Wars is it's, it's the three main women in some order, and so that's why it's not going to be that. I, I guess I would say Jin, who I just got a Jin post, Jin Erso poster on my wall. I'm so pumped about Um <laughs> I would say Jin for Fling, yeah. Because cr- I tend to be attracted to crazy girls, and they tend to be short and uh, f- uh, burned hot, but doesn't last very long. <laughs> so I guess I would okay, say. I'm surprised that isn't. Je- oh, if it was just Marvel, it'd be Jessica Jones, wouldn't it? <laughs> well, I'll do Marvel next. So Jin, okay. Jin Fling, Daisy Ridley, best friend, Princess Leia, Mary. Um, That's no. Yep. Yeah. I would have probably a similar list. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so Marvel, Jessica Jones' best friend, obviously. Although, mm. if Claire Temple is right there. Although, I, can I just stick to the main heroes? Because Rosario Dawson fits all three categories for me. Very true. Um, especially if she plays Ahsoka Tano. Holy shit. Um, or <laughs> in any Star Wars capacity. Rosario Dawson is just, my friend actually met her at a, he's a, he's a smiling, he's a public speaker. He does talks to millennials about p- career professional stuff. And he was invited to a women's conference actually for young women and um, talking about women, women millennials. And he met Rosario and he said, she's even more beautiful in person and is like the sweetest thing on the planet. He said, she and she's voiced so Batgirl nice. in the Lego Batman film. So tick, tick, tick. It, that's true. And actually, her, her the Batman Lego film in general and her portrayal of Barbara Gordon, I bet you factored into Joss Whedon. Oh, yeah. Increasing his interest in the whole thing. So on top of everything, yeah. we can thank Rosario Dawson for that as well. Um, okay, so Jessica Jones, best friend. Um, I actually tend to like the complexion that Kristen Ritter has. Um, the very ivory skin and like black hair 
Like, I tend to mm. like that complexion, but she's just too kind of skinny and wiry for me. I tend to like more normal proportion girls, like uh, like <laughs> Rosario Dawson or, or, or whatever. Um, I would say uh, date and marry would be Chloe Bennett. I know she's a little young. Oh, wow. Over from S.H.I.E.L.D. Yeah, I would say yeah. I, that Chloe Bennett. Um, I've dated half Chinese women before. Uh I, I I just there there's just a I don't know there's just a vibe about her that I really like. Um, so JJ best friend, Chloe Bennett, uh, Mary, uh, Fling. So this is more about the character than the actress. Would be Elizabeth Olsen as a Scarlet Witch. Oh wow, that came out of left field. Not really. She's gorgeous. Um, yeah, well, by the way, her new her it. new dark comedy with Aubrey Plaza is getting pretty good reviews. Where Aubrey oh, Plaza is like a social media stalker yeah. and like yeah, um, Aubrey is like she portrayed she's the, the Yellow Demon in uh, Legion so aware. amazingly. Yeah, she's great. Yeah. Um, I, I think in real life Elizabeth Olsen would be super dateable material, other than she's from the Olsen family, which could be a shit show. Um, with <laughs> her, her twin sisters, um, yeah. But uh, in terms of her as a Scarlet Witch, um, I would say her. Um, mm. I would also put Scarlett Johansson's Black Widow as a friend. Like, Oh, let, she'd be a great friend. I mean, let, if anyone hurt way. you... The, the she, relationship yeah. between Black Widow and, and Steve and the Winter Soldier, that's like my ideal male-female friendship. Like when they're driving mm. in the truck and they're just talking like, have you kissed anyone since 1945? And, you know, all that stuff I love. I love the Clint and um, yes. Hawkeye Tasha. Black Widow friendship because so you that must is like Ultron. such We've a never solid... talked about this. You must like Ultron because they really explore that in the second movie. Oh, man. They barely do in the first. She, she punches them in the I... face and he, she wakes them up and they talk for a couple of minutes yeah. and then they're in New York. I was just really ticked off about the Hulk Black Widow relationship. But why? That's for another day. But they loved mm-hmm. it is the thing. Mark Ruffalo, who's been nominated for like five Oscars before, loved that whole thing. I don't understand why See, people I don't such a care. problem. I don't care for Mark Ruffalo. Oh okay. Okay. Wait, can I do my men? I'll do men. Do you oh yeah, go wrap for it. up. I'm gonna do my men. Okay. So I would sleep with Chris Hemsworth. No no question. No, yeah, yeah. I would sleep with Chris Hemsworth. I would marry Captain America. And I would want to be best friends with Hawkeye. Yeah. I think. Um or Luke Cage. Mm. I could see I could see Luke Cage. Um I'd actually been to a lot of those places in Harlem by the way. When I, lived in I just New York. realized I mixed DC and Marvel and said Diana for friend. <laughs> oh, that's okay. Oh, yeah. Oh, so real quick. So my DC. So um, uh, friend for uh, DC is Felicity Smoke, obviously. Um, d- date Mary. I don't know if I could contain her, but if I could, Thea. 
I mean, really? Yes. So to, to, to wow. If I could, I would take a fling, and she would probably at best give me a fling, and then <laughs> let me go, like Tommy Merlin or whatever. But yeah. Uh, but if I could, the newer, more mature Thea, yeah, she's kind of my ideal girl. And then fling, uh, Huntress. You know what's funny? Fling for me, yeah. Black Canary. If I was doing women. Really, I would go. I would go Katie Lots actually. Oh no, that's that's my fling. That's my fling. White White Canary is fling for me. So okay, awesome. Well, thank you, Britt, for doing this. I'm really happy. I know you've been super busy. Um, I want to give you a chance to plug really quickly. Anything going on with Nova Stream, and then we'll sign off. Um, at the moment, there's a few reviews like I discussed with uh, Daphne, which is a little bit older, but I recently did the Batman and Harley Quinn review. I gave that one star. If you'd like to see me rant about how much I didn't like it, no, you guys, you, you guys and- should check it out because I did because I had heard horrible things, but I knew yeah. my my ultimate source for such a thing would be Brit Girl, and if Brit Girl hated it, then it must be truly historically bad. Oh, it's just like they could have done so good, but they just, it's like, it's like they went to swing for the baseball. They went, you know, it was a strike, but it was such a bad strike that the player wasn't even on the hitting mat. Um, This is me showing how much I know of sport. (laughs) That was a really mixed baseball metaphor, which didn't work at all, but I really appreciate that you tried it. (laughs) No, no, we play cricket. Um, My mom, my mom loves you, by the way. My mom is like, she only listens to the podcast that I tell her to listen to because she's not into the nerd stuff. I mean, she loves me, but she's not going to listen to me and Matt talk about, you know, Batman for three hours. But when I have a a female on or like someone she knows, she listens and she's like, you tell her that if she ever comes to Philadelphia, she can stay with me for as long as she wants. She absolutely loves you. Um, and, uh, she's the biggest baseball fan on the planet. In fact, we went to a baseball game last night, meet her and my dad. They're divorced, but very close still. So it's like one of those, like, it's the best possible situation after a divorce where Mm. everyone's still friends. And the fact that my sister has twin babies helps, you know, bring everyone together. Uh, So she'll be very proud that you attempted a baseball metaphor. Go ahead. Mm. Um, but there's also a uh, the international trailer. I did a trailer reaction for Thor Ragnarok oh, on yeah. my channel. So Which, that's on Brick Girl. So the one I saw was like a very ghetto, like secondhand clip. Was that what you saw? It started off with Doctor Strange. So that's what this international yeah. trailer pretty much revealed. It wasn't much else yeah. new. I think he's going to be great with them. Yeah. And for any of your listeners who might be in Australia or perhaps anyone looking at coming to Brisbane or Sydney, keep an yeah. eye out on the Facebook page because there might be a competition happening. Ooh. So you'll send me you'll send me some links for this stuff so I can put it up on the copy? Yeah, sure. And by the way, just as an ending note, I was very proud because I've had a really rough couple weeks where everything's been going to shit. I mean, not total shit, but you know how some weeks just... They personal, work, professional, yeah. everything, like everything's just, you know. Um, and I was listening to Alison Hayslip, who I told you is best buds with your Australian girl. Um, Maud Garrett? Maud Garrett, yeah. Mm. So I was listening to Alison's podcast. 
and I, they read emails. They spend a lot of time just reading like interesting emails. And they fucking read my email in this past podcast. And not only did they read my email, but I signed it Jesse, a.k.a. The Bizzle. And they were like <laughs> fascinated by the fact that I was called The Bizzle. And like Allison, who I have a huge crush on, goes, ooh, The Bizzle. And I was like, boom, <laughs> I'm sampling that for my new intro. So that if everything goes like text yeah. sound every time you get a text message ooh, ooh the bizzle yeah the uh, oh god i couldn't i was like i like fainted but not only that but it was it was an article about you know elon musk and tesla which they're obsessed with but it was like an interesting one and they talked about it for like the whole podcast so i was really excited so the whole thing comes back around <laughs> so if everything goes well at the front of this podcast i'm gonna have some sort of musical intro uh with with that in it for sure <laughs> yeah I might I might just send it because I'm I'm work, I'm uh, doing a podcast tomorrow with a DJ musician friend. I might send him that and a couple other random clips and have him do like a remix yeah. or something to put up front. So thank you so much, Brittany. I know you have a lot of work to do. You took a lot of time out. Um, so I think because again we we got cut off at the beginning. Um, I'm going to give this a solid B plus for the defenders. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, yeah. that's fair. I think there's things that if they had consulted me, <laughs> I would have changed. Uh, but I also don't think there were any major failings. And because the main characters were great, and even the side characters like Claire and Colleen and Misty were so awesome. Um, mm. By the way, the cutting off of Misty's arm is not just a reference to her having a bionic arm in the comics, but in Star Wars, someone loses a hand or an arm in every single movie, basically. Yeah. Uh, so that was definitely a Star Wars reference. I know in Spider-Man there was like a thousand Star Wars references, supposedly. So, um, yeah, thank you so much. Any final thoughts? No, I think we covered everything. Awesome. Thank you, BizzleCast listeners. And uh, you will be hearing from us soon. So Brick Girl and the Bizzle are out.